Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to In Search Of. We're your host, Ashton and Sam. We're two accountants who binge podcasts by day and TV by night. Keep listening to find what you've been in search of. Okay. Hi, Sam. Hey, Ashton. All right, we have a, we're going back to our normal uh, scheduled programming. We're doing, um, Wit, I guess we can call it WITSEC or Witness Protection. WITPRO. WITPRO. We were inspired by uh, Pieces of Her on Netflix, which I think that was like my record timing of watching a show. I watched it so fast. I think forty less than 48 hours. I don't know. Really fast. It was. I spent like a whole Sunday watching it. Uh, so we have Pieces of Her. And then I'm doing a podcast called Relative Unknown. And then you have an episode. Yeah. Uh, two episodes kind of of Criminal. Okay. 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 I'm excited because I think this is the first time where you haven't listened to my pot. Like I have, you haven't listened to mine and I haven't listened to yours. Mm-hmm. Usually we're like better about listening to each other's stuff, but we're just trying to survive right now so <laughs> we're trying to get the listener experience yeah. what it's like when you haven't heard these things and we talk about them yeah so uh our lack of uh being prepared we're just going to be more excited to hear each other's stories so we will talk about those three today um okay so pieces of her um, it has a really famous actress in it. Tony like Collette? To- Tony Collette. No. Yeah, my mom. Yeah, yeah I think okay. her Tony something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My mom, I remember, was like, oh my gosh, I love her. Like, I think she's been around a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's got her. I'm trying to think if there's any other, like, big name people the in it. guy, because I remember I texted you. I said, you don't watch Yellowstone, do you? And you said no. No, and no. So, oh, the, um, yeah. Oh, what is his name? He's the um, he's, he's the, the marshal. He's the U.S. Yeah, marshal. Yeah. Um, yeah, he is in Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I haven't seen that. So pieces of hers on Netflix. I don't know how many episodes there are, but basically, it's like eight or ten. Okay, yeah. So um, the first episode. I mean, for a long time, you're kind of confused, like what's going on, because you don't know right out of the bat that they're in the witness protection. Which, you know, if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert. But again, why are you even here if you don't want the spoilers? Okay, so um, the scene starts out. The they're at like a mom. I don't know if this is like the initial scene, but in the beginning, a mom and daughter. Tony and her daughter are eating lunch at some cafe and there's kind of this like strife between the mom and the daughter like the daughter doesn't fully have her life together the mom definitely like she seems to have her stuff together but like she's just not happy like you can tell she's not happy and then I guess um, another mom and daughter walk in and they're like talking to each other. And the daughter's like, yeah, I'm at medical school. I'm doing this and this. And the daughter's kind of like, oh, great. You know, I'm another person who's better than me or whatever. Because they were kind of arguing about, I think at the table, about like she needed to get her life together. And then a guy like sitting like back in the cafe uh stands up and shoots the mom and daughter and then starts shooting in the cafe. So you think it's kind of just like a random attack, but I I think he was engaged or like he was engaged to the, the daughter, um, 
who had walked up to the table. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the daughter. They had broken up. Yeah. And Tony's daughter, like, works security or something. Uh-huh. And he was, like, you know, he was shooting up the place. And Tony, like, yelled to her daughter. She was, like, get down. And, like, Tony covered her. And then the guy mm-hmm. who was shooting was yelling at her, like, oh, you can't do your job. Like, you're supposed to be, like, protecting oh, yeah. people. And you're, like, hiding. Like, your mom is helping you out protecting you yeah mm-hmm. and then i the big thing that they like centered the whole show around was he uh, he had a knife right he stabbed her tony collect tony or no yes. he's st- other way around yeah yes oh wait he stabbed her and she had her hand up like this right yes. and stuck the knife through her hand and then uh, she turned her hand around and like slit his throat. So it was pretty like badass, like what she did. But they were like, "How do you know how to do that?" But they didn't know she was in witness protection. And even her daughter, like her daughter, didn't even know she was in witness protection. Um, so then the rest of the show goes on. Like her mom, for a long time, like continued to not tell her that w- she was in witness protection. And then the daughter's like slowly starting to learn, um, like what. And then they also do like a whole backstory on the on the mom. And yeah, she like how she came family. into witness protection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. So- oh, sorry, I have a question. So, did you ever watch End of the Effing World on Netflix? It's like a UK mm-hmm. show. Okay, so the 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 younger girl who plays the mom, like she's kind of got red hair, or whatever. I recognized her and she's from another Netflix show, but she's like a UK based actress. So I kind of thought that was like a cool little, at first, for the longest time I was looking at her and I'm like, how do I know this person? And she's in in that show, but it's a very dark show. (laughs) Um, I don't know if many people have seen that, but it's just like one of those UK shows that I like, but go ahead. Sorry. I cut you off. Um, Yeah. Because she was involved when she was younger in a plot to kill her uncle no or was it her dad it was Was her dad dad? it was her dad yes her dad was like kind of involved in like big pharma type stuff yeah and like there was like a political not a political but there was like a convention um Mm -hmm. that she was at and she and like her um boyfriend at the time were part of this like movement that was like anti big pharma and mm-hmm. so they were gonna um at this convention in some where was it in like mm, different country um, oh i don't know they were like gonna remember. get on stage and i don't think the original plan was that they were gonna yeah clean. so so okay yeah so the dad was involved in big pharma and i guess prescribed some kind of medicine and ultimately a dad who was taking this medicine uh, ends up killing his kids, something like that. Well, the wife of that family was like angry. And so, um, uh, Tony's like older brother and boyfriend at the time were like part of this, uh, progressive movement. And they like get in contact with that, that woman who's lost her husband and kids and she's like angry and they want to do something. And I think they were, they were, he was, she was not supposed to shoot the dad, she was right. I'm not sure exactly what was going to happen, but she they what they did was they kidnapped a professor, made the wife of who whose kids died and husband died like look like her. And later you find out that Tony um gives that woman a gun to shoot her dad. And so it like kind of goes off the rails, but there's all these little like stories off of like the main story. So you're kind of you I don't know. You're just always like, what is going on? But yeah, there's like a background to her life. There's a background to the, you know, daughter's life. Like in real, like in real time, she's learning her. I don't know. There's just, um, for a long time, you don't really know what's going on. And then you eventually learn, but it's a really good show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think we've covered all the like stories that they have throughout the series, but there's like too many to even tell i feel like yeah yeah because they have um like the story when the brother dies 
and mm -hmm. she's like her whole life Tony's like running from um her ex-boyfriend because um he oh, yeah. I think has like a recording or something yeah he had that thing in the suitcase which mm -hmm. was what was, what was the recording? I think the thing in this, uh, the recording was that the other brother was involved in okay. the crime against the dad, mm -hmm. but he didn't know that the dad was going to get shot. Right. So it's kind of like this whole big thing. And then mm -hmm. like at the very end of the show, they're like, the daughter learns that like Tony, her mom gave the woman the gun. And so it's like, she's actually liable, not... Because she was trying to pin it on the ex-boyfriend the whole time, mm -hmm. so that's why he was coming after her. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Man, it's a crazy show. I forgot how crazy it is. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. That's why I watched it so fast. Because <laughs> I, watched... I wanted to know. <laughs> I watched This Is Not On Theme, but um, I watched okay. <laughs> the second season of Starstruck in one night. Uh -huh. In like a couple oh. of hours it's like they're oh short episodes on hbo max it's really cute if you need something uh -huh. light and funny light, yeah. it's very good okay you know what i've been watching which is light and funny is um minks it's a new series on hbo max it's like based in the 70s and it's this very progressive woman and she's like wanting to put out a magazine of these like you know just things back in the 70s like women mm -hmm. having access to birth control and just all mm -hmm. of those types of things well uh, actually, a guy from New the guy from New Girl plays in it. Um, I can't remember which one it is. He's not Schmidt. He's the Winston? other one. No, not Winston. Nick. Nick. <laughs> yeah, just run down the list. It's Nick. Yeah. Nick plays. Nick okay. plays in it. Um, and so what oh, they? Well, yes, I think I've seen an ad for this. Yeah, it's really cute. I don't want to give too much away if okay. you're like interested in it, but. Um, Anyways, it's like about a magazine and it's um it's funny. It's like lighthearted and funny. So I've been watching that, but it's like up to date. So there's new episodes like every Thursday, I think. But okay, back to a darker note. Yeah. <laughs> Which I do want to point out that I feel like at least for my story, I don't know about your story that witness protection definitely is like glamorized and the yeah. more I learned about it, it's mm -hmm. like not what you know, Hollywood makes it seem mm -hmm. like that's the perspective I got from my story. I don't know, like, what you got, but um, it was, I think it was interesting to see, like, a TV show about witness protection and then hear, like, actual real life. Story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, Pieces of Her is really good um, if you're wanting, like, a show to binge. and It's not, like, too, like, I feel like not too graphic or anything. No. I mean... It's your typical crime, but okay. I'll let you go first okay. on your episodes. Yeah, and mine is about like the founding of the witness protection. Oh, program, okay. So well, that's perfect. That so I'm you kind of yeah, yeah, I'll lay the groundwork. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good because you're gonna get to tell us like how it got started, mm -hmm. and then I'll kind of tell you of people who were in it like shortly after it was started. Yeah. So. So the episodes are number 104 and 105. Um, they were released in December of 2018. And I can't remember if I listened to them. I don't remember them because when I re-listened to them, it was all seemed new to me. But I, I found <laughs> it really point, interesting. At this point, we've... Yeah, we've listened, yeah, we've to, listened so to so much many. in like three and a half years that I don't know. But yeah. It's an interview with Gerald Schur, who founded Witness Protection in the 1960s. Um, he's now 86 years old, and he has met with every single person who has entered the program, oh, which wow. I found I, really interesting. That um, is, and I didn't even realize he was still alive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, cool. as of 2018, he was. Okay, okay. Yeah. So... Sure grew up in a, quote, mob-infested part of New York City, and he began following organized crime at a young age. And in the 1960s, he was working for the Department of Justice in organized crime, and he realized that 
organized crime, aka the mafia, had a secret set of rules that made it like nearly impossible to convict people because they were, you know, sworn to secrecy. They talked in codes. And if anyone was found like breaking this or leaking information, like they were just killed. So he wanted to develop a way for people who would normally be scared out of testifying in these cases to be able to give useful information. Um, So he started it on his own and he said when he began, he was kind of making it up as he went, which I mean, I think kind of makes sense because like you have this idea and then once people get into it, like you're like, oh, I didn't think about that or I didn't realize Mm -hmm. that would be a problem so you kind of have to fix it as more people are in it yeah Um, but obviously now it's like very well organized system so Phoebe asks like what are the steps and he says well I mean the whole interview he's like well there's only a certain amount of information I can give you because like the whole point of this is to like protect people yeah Um, yeah but he says to start off Obviously, first, they have to evaluate whether you're a witness to a serious crime and if you are someone who's worth putting in the witness protection program. So, I mean, are you really in that much danger if you give information? Is the crime serious enough? Um, And then they, the person or people or family has to be willing to relocate. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, are they willing to relocate? If so, how many people are their children involved or is it just a single person? So um, once all that information is collected, it goes to, um, it's kind of evaluated and then it's eventually passed on to the U.S. Marshal who visits the person at their current home and assesses Mm -hmm. like the situation. And he says things that they're looking for is like, is there illness? Are there people we have to take care of in that capacity or are they just you know people that can kind of get what they need from us and like be good um so then the family once the u.s marshal evaluates everything it's in the they're kind of accepted into this program the family is brought to a secret location in washington dc and they have like an orientation training type thing um and it's how they should act, how to use their their new names. Um, and something I didn't know is that they can keep their first name mm-hmm. and their last initial. And this is obviously, you know, if someone calls out their name, their or their new their new fake name, and they like don't respond because they're not used to hearing it, then like that's obviously you know a sign that okay, is that not their name? Or if someone is out and like calls their old real name and they're, they like turn their head. It's like, okay, why are you answering to a different name? Mm -hmm. And, um, also like writing checks um it gives them time to think about their signatures because like their first name is the same and then their last initial is the same so it gives them time to like make sure they switch like the last part of their last name Mm -hmm. um which i i thought because i think in the show don't in pieces of her she gets full a whole new name yeah yeah so uh, actually on on my case they they keep their first names so they do keep their first names their last names are changed and also another thing about location um is that they asked like the husband and wife of my Mm -hmm. story uh if they could be relocated where they would want to go so they each listed three places well those were the three places that they knew not to send them send them to yeah yeah so and again this was like my story takes place like in the 80s so you know a lot maybe has changed over Mm -hmm. the years of like how they um do the whole process like you said how it's like kind of ever-changing yeah but as some of the stuff you're saying does kind of like correlate to you know like the first name thing and Mm -hmm. i thought the location thing was interesting because it's like of course, you're going to say where your, like, family and friends are. You're like, let's go to the beach. <laughs> yeah, or, like, that's what they say, like, where people are like, oh, so-and-so has always wanted to vacation here. Like, let's go find them there kind of thing. So, yeah. 
And they they touched on location briefly, and Gerald said that the main consideration is so there are U.S. marshals like stationed in different parts of the country, but they are uh-huh. only allowed to have a certain number of people that they are protecting. So like if they wanted to go to Texas and there's a U.S. marshal that already has like a full group of people that they're they're working with okay. and they can't send that person to Texas. So they have to distribute them. That's kind of how they like narrow down the, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the um, Phoebe asks, like, so how do people, you know, because they have no job history and they have no credit history, like how did people mm-hmm. start to get jobs? And he said that in the beginning of the founding of the Witness Protection Program, they got a group of corporations together and they had like a secret meeting where they filled them in on what their program was and these people agreed to help find work for the people in their program so i think it has expanded now but when it started there was like a small group and i don't know if all the the people work directly for these corporations or if they like provided references or like things that you need to get like other jobs elsewhere mm-hmm. but um i thought that was interesting because witness protection will support you for six months, like financially, and then you have to find your own work after that. And they also said that members are allowed to leave at any time. And they advise against it. But um, because not it says the statistic was that not a single witness who has followed the rules has been harmed or killed after entering witness protection. And so the program at the time of the recording has protected 8,600 witnesses and 10,000 of their families. And they gave a couple of stories and one was in 1972 a guy decided to break the rules of witness protection and go check on his old house and his house had been rigged with a bomb. And so when he opened the front door, it exploded and killed him. And then there was another story of a guy who was in witness protection and then ran for political office. I think it was like governor or mayor or something. And he ran in his real, real name and he like gave them like a seven page like rap sheet. And he said, I, I figure this will come out. Like if I, if I'm elected, cause people dig up dirt on, you know, every official. And um, he said, I'd rather be a crook on my own terms than be corrupted once I get I don't know something like that and he got like 400 votes or something so that was more just like a funny story of like yeah why did you do that you didn't die (laughs) yeah exactly exactly um so that was kind kind of all in that episode so episode 104 is called witness and then 105 is called protection and so Uh 105 is an episode just on uh John France Franzis, Franzis, Franzis. I'm probably saying that wrong. Whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. He was the son of a mafia boss, Sonny Franzis, Franzese. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> You're trying really hard. <laughs> I really am. Um, I'll just say Sonny F. <laughs> um, so he knew that like his dad was like very wealthy, but he didn't know for a long time um, why, but uh-huh. he realized, I think his brother told him when he was like a teenager that about like his dad was mafia boss and the whole spiel. Yeah. And so he began working for his dad when he was in his teens in the 1980s and he would send messages and he would collect and drop off bags of cash and um he eventually became an addict and he was like in and out of rehab and he was hiv positive and an fbi agent came to him and asked if he would be an informant uh-huh. and he agreed and he wore a wire for eight months which the information Dang. collected from that indicted his dad and sent him to prison until he was a hundred 
Oh and, my gosh. Um, he said that he, he said he did it because he knew that like he was in the wrong world and like he needed to get out and that was his way out. Um, so he entered witness protection um, and his experience is kind of the same as what I just talked about. He got a um, psychological evaluation and he was given a new ID and a new name. He said they did make some concessions for him. He asked for Medicare and that he could continue his 12-step meetings wherever he went. Um, he was first relocated to Oklahoma City and he was given $1,200 a month. Then he was sent to Dallas and then South Carolina. He was in South Carolina for two years, but he was afraid that he had told a close friend too much and he needed to leave. So they moved him to Austin. He was there until 2008. And then he was sent to Indianapolis where he lives now. And, um, you know, he lives a very quiet life. I think it said he has like an apartment with a cat, which is just, you know, worlds away from where he was like being a mafia informant and being his uh -huh. dad's like um I, I forget what they call him but the guy dropping off and picking up cash and all uh, of that so yeah I know what you're talking about yeah I yeah. don't know what that's called yeah I'm not up to date anyway, on my I thought lingo. they were both what I was saying I'm not up to date on my like mob lingo oh me neither I need to rewatch <laughs> the but yeah. yeah I thought they were both really interesting I didn't know the whole that whole history of witness protection I thought it was so cool that he's met everybody who's come through the yeah that is really cool it. and now a word from our sponsors at Parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And I think it's kind of cool that you told that side of the story because I feel like I'm going to tell a different side of the story okay. that's kind of like devil's advocate where okay. I think he, Gerald, has like, really good intentions but mm -hmm. I don't think it's always been played out like that maybe mm -hmm. okay. and also my story is told from someone who's like very angry at um so my story I'll just kind of get into it so it's yeah. podcast called relative unknown it's by c13 original and it was um it came out in 2020 so the story is told by the daughter of um uh, a guy who was in Hell's Angels, which is like a motorcycle oh, yeah, yeah. gang. Yeah. And so, she, and I think it's hard on the family because like they, they didn't do anything wrong. They're like, mm -hmm. why do I have to be put in this position? Like mm -hmm. this was because of someone else's decision. So I think she has a lot of anger towards like her dad's decisions and like where she ended up. So she is, a, she has more of an angry outlook at Witsec and everything that kind of like happened in her life mm -hmm. but anyways i think it's good that you and i are telling two sides of the story because i think it's good to see like gerald's like intentions and then you know how it always maybe doesn't play out like yeah. hollywood or how he wants it to but anyway so my podcast um it starts off like telling the story of a murder suicide so in 2013 uh paul dome which was his witsec name his name was um, Clarence Crouch, kills his wife and stepson. And the daughter, Jackie Taylor, which her name is actually Jackie Crouch, but her new name was, last name was Taylor. Uh, she is given a box of stuff from her father's home, like after he passed away. And in this is, um, there's a manuscript called Hate and Disc Discontent. And so like he wrote about his whole experience through Hell's Angels and the first part of like his Woodsec stuff. Um, and so she like reads from this throughout the podcast. And then like also in this box, there's patches and letters, um, or patches from like hell's angel patches and letters and pictures and newspapers, newspaper clippings. So lots of information. So Clarence Crouch, he goes by Butch, um, a little like about him. He, I thought this was like interesting. So 
He's from Shreveport, Louisiana, which is like where I'm basically from, um, which I didn't even, when I started listening to this, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even put two and two together. So his mom, he kind of had like a rough upbringing. His mom was deaf and she did everything she could um, back in this time. I think this is like the 60s was when he was growing up, 50s or 60s. And so, you know, there's just probably not a lot of resources for people who had children who were deaf. Mm -hmm. um, and so his father's mom was like, did not think that his mom like could take care of them. So she like had them put in like government care or whatever. So he just had like a rough life, um, which is not an excuse for anything, but just kind of like explains how people end up in certain situations. So he kind of like a rough timeline. He started off as like a Houston pimp. Then he became the founding member of the Banditos, which I think was like another gang. And then ended up being like a founding member of the Hells Angels in um, like the leader in Cleveland. So they're not exactly sure like how he ended up in Cleveland, but that's kind of where his like thing starts in Cleveland. And so they give you like, they tell you a couple stories in the beginning of this podcast about Hell's Angels. So there's like one story about um, the Hell's Angels at like a Rolling Stones show where like a, a fight breaks out and uh, you can hear like Mick Jagger like asking like, he's like, stop, you know, he's asking the crowd to stop. And, I mean, you can go and listen to the show and hear, like, the whole uh, story of, like, what happened, but that's not really the whole point of this, you know, overview. But they tell another story of there's, like, a brawl with another gang in 1971 at a Polish woman's hall. And so this is, like, the first time Butch kills somebody. Uh, and there was just a lot of people stabbed, and then he said it was just, like, a bloodbath. Um, there's another story they tell... And this is all like gang related activity. Um, there's a family killed. And I think this was payback from the gang that they got in the fight with. The They kill one of the Hells Angels families. Um, they put a bomb in a suitcase. And so like a mother ends up getting killed, a two-year-old and her friend, along with like the gang members. And so it's just trying to like lay out the picture mm -hmm. of like, this was what was going on. Yeah. Um, he also, Butch, uh, he, what ultimately, like, he served time for was <clears throat> he confessed to shooting a kid. He thought he was shooting, like, other gang members, but it ended up just being, like, a 17-year-old kid. So just a lot of, like, bad stuff happening. Um, he also tells you the story of how to join Hell's Angels, you have to kill someone with six within six months of joining, and if you don't, then you'll be killed. So, why would anyone want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said there was like a brotherhood, and okay, um, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Know. <laughs> I think these people, I guess, back in this day, were probably just like looking for a community, and I guess that's where they found I the community. Mean... Go to the YMCA. <laughs> yeah. Don't know. But he eventually turns himself into the witness protection plan in 1981. He said he was tired of all of the killing, and that's like what he says. But later his daughter finds out that an agent actually came to one of the club, like in Hell's Angels Clubhouse, and passed out business cards. And everyone was laughing because they knew, like, if they ever snitched, they'd be dead. Well, put uh, Butch held on to that card, and while he was staying in Shreveport one time with his mom, he decides to call the agent. Um, and I'm kind of like skipping timelines, but like Butch, uh, he eventually marries this woman, Mary, and they have like three kids, and Jackie is the oldest. And so Jackie's kind of telling the story, but he, um, is staying in Shreveport and decides to call the agent and he was like on the outs with the gang and thought they would kill him if he ever went back to Cleveland because he owed them money. So that's kind of like how he, she said, he says that he did it because he was tired of the killings, but Jackie was like, no, you did it to like save your butt, but mm -hmm. whatever. 
So um, as part of, and that like, this is like quoted from the podcast. Um, they said as part of Butch's plea deal, he had agreed to testify on testify in trials and provide information in any way those agencies requested. On March 3rd, 1983, as part of its hearing on organized crime in America, the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee asked Butch to give testimonies about the inner workings of the Hells Angels. So, like, this had never been done before, where they had, like, an, a gang member from the inside come and testify. Uh, he was under armed guard and placed behind a curtain to maintain his safety and identity, which I thought, like she says, like, all you can see is her, his shoes. Like, they couldn't see him at all. Um, he testified against several Hells Angels, and in the beginning, it was not going well. He, uh, of the first, like, four trials, he got zero out of four guilty verdicts. So, like, it was not going good. And then later, they learned that the judge was being bribed by the Hells Angels, and he was concerned about being reelected. So, just kind of oh, tells okay. you, like, how corrupted everything is. He eventually got a, a guilty verdict on a Hells Angel who killed his wife, and Butch had, like, helped with this crime. So, like, his this was, like, the fifth and only case that he got a guilty verdict on. So, I um, have, like, a little section on witness protection program, which you kind of covered, but... It was said, like, Gerald Schur was the godfather of the WITSEC. Um, it's been operating since the mid-60s, formally established in 1971, and actually had the same, like, like numbers. I said 8,600 people have been given new identities, and in including almost 10,000 of their fam family members. So, same numbers. Um, so, this is kind of where, like, my story takes, like, a different outlook. There was a author, professor, and journalist named Bill Mushi. And in 1996, he wrote a series about WITSEC, and he provided a look into the program. And he just talks about how, you know, it's not how Hollywood makes it seem. You're given a new name, social security, and location. And a lot of people were put in infested, rat-infested hotels on month, months, months on end. So just, like, not good living, um... Uh, living, what am I trying to say? Uh, like, I don't know, uh, situations, whatever. Um, they had no identities, so they were like, they struggled to get a job. They didn't have references. And this is some of the things that he talked about with like issues with the program. And then he just was like, you know, I found it difficult for these people to exist. And he said a lot of times they would use the family as leverage against the witness. So, um, after Butch's family joins uh, witness protection, they're re relocated to Billings, Montana. So, like, literally out of the m middle of nowhere. Um, they gave the family a stipend until Mary got a job, which is kind of the same thing you had said. Like, I think they had six months, and then she got a job, and then they were like, okay, you know, no more. Like, you don't get any more. And Jackie, also the daughter, she's just angry because... For the family, like, they didn't know what was going on. They had no one there to help them, no one there to provide, like, counseling, therapy, mm -hmm. you know. Like, and, again, this was, like, the 80s, so, like, mm -hmm. it's probably a lot different than it is now. But they were just kind of thrown out there. She said the hotel they had to stay in was, like, literally like a nasty hotel, like Bill Mushi had described. So it just I wasn't a great die. experience. Yeah, yeah. She just wasn't a great experience. Um, so, uh, they moved to Billings, Montana. Butch goes to serve time in jail. While Butch is in jail, um, Mary, uh, Jackie's mom divorces him and she's taken out of the program. So, like, she, like, does not want to be in the program anymore, but the kids continue to stay in it. And at this point, Jackie doesn't see her dad for another 24 years. Um, her mother was basically like for the for this deal to go forward for bitch or <laughs> butch <laughs> it's been a long time <laughs> for butch to go like to agree to plea and they really wanted butch to like go forward with this because like mm -hmm. i said this has never been done like they needed someone to come out and speak on these things because they had a lot of unsolved crime 
that like the hell's angels were involved in yeah so he said butch was like i'm only gonna do this if my wife and kids are taken care of so Mm -hmm. and the mom was like i don't want anything to do with this guy like she knew he was bad he was trouble she was like i don't want anything to go on like i just want to get away from him well in order for him to plead they had to agree to this so um they would like they told her she was going to be killed unless she joined butch um and they would receive death threats like scaring them into joining and bill mushi was like basically like saying that danger is manufactured to keep them in line so like Mm. if they want the witness to do what they want they're gonna like manipulate the family Mm. you know as leverage yeah um and they even said like they had a hell's angel who knew butch back on the day and he was like you know the hell's angels told the family they wouldn't hurt mary and the kids they only wanted butch they were like we don't want anything to do so Hmm. again just a different perspective um jackie also talks about her life like after they went to montana and she just said like her mom got really abusive and i think it was just because her mom was angry you know Mm -hmm. like they were uprooted and she also said like maybe her mom resented her because she reminded her of her dad um she said she was bullied when they first moved to montana and then eventually she just like turned the tables on anyone who had ever bullied her she just had a lot of rage you know so there's just a lot of things that are just not um again it was the 80s you know Mm -hmm. so uh she starts doing drugs she was like i don't care anymore she eventually went to a hospital for teens um, and she was in therapy at the hospital and she thought like okay i'm finally gonna be able to talk about like everything i'd been through well the therapist didn't believe her so they made her take more tests and so it was just like they thought she was crazy so her mom when she's 15 like signs her over to the state because she's like her mom like just doesn't know what to do with her anymore she ends up in a group home for girls um and then when jackie is 16 her father is released from prison and so Um, In 2006, Jackie goes back to Louisiana to see her dad's sister. She wanted to find out where her dad was, and she was like, you know, I wanted to kill him. Like, I was angry at everything, like, he had done and put us in this position. And so when she sees her dad, he was living, I think, somewhere in Texas, like, an hour and a half from Shreveport. Um, I'm not, I can't remember where they said, but... She's like, you know, this crippled old man living in the middle of nowhere, like, comes out. And she's like, all the hate went away because she was like, he was just my dad. And she hadn't seen him in so long. Mm -hmm. And so she tells a story where they go to a grocery store and he, like, writes a check to, like, pay for the groceries. And he has to show his ID. And it's the identity that they gave him, like, 20 years ago. And the clerk, like, makes laughs and makes a joke asking if it's really him. And Jackie's like, you know, I just realized, like, how my dad's had to live in hiding for so long. Mm -hmm. So, in 2010, Jackie, like, gets fed up with the WITSEC program. And she says years after having issues, like, proving her identity. So, she kind of explained, she's like, they take your birth certificate. You're never issued a new one. She had issues getting into elementary school, proving who she was when placed in foster care. Couldn't get a driver's license. Couldn't get a passport. She got her GED and then tried to get into college, but the admin board didn't believe who she said she was. So she had issues, and then she had issues getting her marriage license. Um, So each of these times she said she had to have someone vouch for her and also had to like out herself saying she was in WITSEC every single time. Mm -hmm. Um, So one day she got a letter saying that her children's medical coverage uh, had been denied because she couldn't prove that she was a U.S. citizen. And so she was like, once it started affecting my kids, she's like, I just snapped and went to the press. Um, so she, there was an article published, and she said the government finally started to listen. So she's like, you basically have to, like, go start talking for them mm-hmm. to be like, okay, okay, okay. Um, so Jackie um, last saw her dad after the last time she saw her dad they emailed back and forth when stay in touch and then the last time she heard from him was in 2012. Um, this year he had emailed the social security administration trying to get disability 
because he had had um, he had suffered stab wounds from that brawl that I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier at the Polish Women Hall. And so he was in constant pain and could hardly rock. And she said he struggled to get any help from the government like they promised him years ago. Um, and she said she's, he sent a letter to the U.S. Marshals while waiting a response from the Social Security uh, office to request medical records. And she's like, you know, I realized that, like, he was a monster and he did all these bad things. But she's like, regardless of that, like, the U.S. government still, like, made him a promise mm-hmm. to take care of him. Yeah. And so, again, he was denied and because he couldn't provide enough personal information. So, in 2013, he filed a Freedom Information Act request asking for medical records. Again, no response. Um And then she also found, like, a bank statement that showed he had, like, $50 in his bank account. So she was, like, you know, with no disability insurance, no money to cover his medical costs, like, he just saw no way out. So Mm -hmm. that's where it takes you back to the beginning of the podcast where he kills his wife and stepson. Um, And it says, like, he had to shoot them twice, I guess, because they didn't die at first. And then he stayed in the house with them for three days. Um, And then once it started to smell, he let the dog out, set the house on fire, and shot himself. So it's just, like, a really sad story. Um, But it just kind of tells you, I guess, the other side of, like, where things can go wrong. Um, Yeah. So I mean, the criminal podcasts like briefly say like oh you know you have to leave your family and mm-hmm. you know that's kind of sad and then the um the john or john f said mm-hmm. that like you know when his dad got out of prison they have had no contact and like his family is mad at him for like turning against the dad but like it doesn't it doesn't play out these scenarios like yours does yeah. and how yeah. people are left out on their own and how mm-hmm. it can derail so horribly. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, like anything with the government is such a pain in the butt. Like, yes, having yes. to go get your tags renewed, having to just right, do anything right. like that. Like when you move states, like I remember when I moved from Louisiana to Tennessee, like having mm-hmm. to get a new driver's license, having to do all that stuff like that's a pain. And I'm a I'm not you know, I'm nobody like, you right, know, like, right. So it's like, yeah, it's just um it's crazy. I think I think this podcast does a good or ours. I'm bragging on ourselves. Um, I think we do a good job of like showing, like I said earlier, the Hollywood version that is portrayed, which that's always how I thought it was. Yeah. You're but even that, I mean, not in the ways that you've talked about, but like mm-hmm. the mother and daughter definitely had tension because they, they were did, always yeah. moving. The daughter was like, What is going on? Like I we have such yeah. a disconnect here and you yeah. can never tell me the truth. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. You're right. And, um, yeah, you know, maybe the Hollywood version doesn't show you the, like the teeny tiny things that you don't even think about, like disabilities, that kind yeah. of thing. And like, they, you know? they were living in nice enough, mm-hmm. you know, houses conditions. And conditions and yeah 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 but um and then your podcast does the you know I and I really do think Gerald sure meant like even Bill Mushi said like I I think he really you know meant well with this program but yeah yeah it's grown and it's grown and grown right and it's hard to play out every possible scenario and every Mm -hmm. way it could go bad and it's like well, I don't know that we can come up with a solution to every possible thing that could go wrong, but when they go wrong mm-hmm. and wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong, yeah. it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, well, I just realized that I'm frozen on the screen. Am oh, I, am I frozen you. to you? You're moving. Oh, right? I'm frozen to me. Anyways, we're doing this virtually if you haven't noticed yet. Um, we'll see how this sounds after the fact. But. And then the other. Yeah which I just realized and I told you that the new season of something was wrong, which we've talked about before mm. is 
witness protection or the guy says he's in witness protection i don't i think it's only one episode is out yeah i'm curious to see what um that story yeah that the i've only listened to the first episode have you listened to it yet yeah i think only the first one is out okay okay mm-hmm. yeah i'm but, i'm curious yeah. to see the second but yeah so check out those podcast check out something was wrong i'm on her new season i'm very mm-hmm. intrigued i feel like you know every time we start thinking of a topic there's kind of something else going on so it's exciting to kind of dive into like something was wrong and see like where her story goes yeah so anyways well i was good um i um have gamer headphones on and i've been (laughs) i've had my notes covering my face i've only seen sam's face and now i've put my notes down and i'm looking at myself again so i just feel bad that sam's had to look at me like this for the past you had to look at me i look like (laughs) look we yeah it's uh it's been one of those weeks but we did it we're here and we brought some more content yeah so season two we're back and better than ever we are all right well um i think that's all i got that's all all she wrote like i said last one that'll be (laughs) your signature tagline i know and then i'll i'll get sued by somebody because that's probably from like a yeah like you yeah yeah all right bye sam bye ashen thanks for listening to in search of don't forget to review subscribe and follow our podcast to stay up to date on the latest episodes if you want more information on in search of you can follow us on instagram and facebook Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.